Hey, I'm Amy Guth. Who the fuck are you? Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends. Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met. We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Kevin Alvis, and welcome back to Who the Fuck Are You? Where we sit down with different Chicago celebs to find out what they do, why they do, how they do, and where they do what they do do. I said doo-doo. Yeah! It's been a long fucking week. I am super stoked to have this guest on the podcast today. She is a tour de force journalist. She's a filmmaker. She is a writer and all around badass. I've known her for about 10 years and I just admire the shit out of her. Please help me welcome to the podcast, Amy Guth. Amy Guth, how are you? I'm well, thank you. It's nice to see you. It's great to see you it's too. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I haven't seen it's you been like a year. I th- yeah, I think it's been about a year. I think last time we saw each other was at your storytelling night that you had. Uh, for That's right. Here. You were. It was a storytelling night of storytellers who weren't storytellers. That's right. Which, it was storytellers who weren't necessarily storytellers. And it was that. part of uh, people who don't usually lecture. And that event took place in cities around the world. And uh, my good friend Leah Jones and I did the Chicago one and it was totally fun. And we decided to theme it um, around, loosely around immigration. So everybody that took part in it was either um, themselves an immigrant or first generation and kind of telling stories, not necessarily about immigration, but about place and meaning around place. And I thought it was a really successful night. We planned to do it again, but you know, the <laughs> pandemic got in the way as it did for everybody, for everything. I think I, I definitely was on that ball of uh, everyone else is that uh, this is going to be my year and I'm going to do so much stuff. And then plans just yeah. shot. I was in the process of uh, my, uh, my friend of mine and I were putting together doing another edition of a show that we started and uh, we had just gotten space and started booking acts and we started talking to, we had a fundraiser set up and it was all ready to go. And then one week prior, two weeks prior, actually. So everything's kind of just slowed down. How have you been handling all of the lockdown and quarantining? What have you been doing to keep yourself well, sane? I mean, I worked from home for a very long time anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm fine. Oh, I'm, you're just moving right on. Like this feeds my introvert self, you know, the, I'm an introvert that, that fakes extrovert really well. <laughs> you do. Cause you, you always know, seem so, like you're very happy to be where you're at when I see you, but yeah. And I have a limit to it. Right. So I like have my one event that I'll go out and do. And then I'm like, I need to go focus and chill. And, and it's usually you know, like, I'll do it for three hours and then I have a time limit. And if it's no fun, I'm out. Totally. But if I'm like going out, if I'm going to events every night, it wears me out. And it's, it's not that I don't have fun. It's just that I get less and less interesting and I have less and less to say. <laughs> I, know? So it's like, what is the point of going to a thing if it's, if it's around socializing? Cause I'll just go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. That's cool. Nice. Okay. I, uh, and I'll be so boring. Like when I do that. One of the things that actually, um, negative things that I found about quitting smoking is that it's harder oh. to get through those nights because normally if I, when I get around too many people, I'm just like, ah, oh, there's just so many people here. I don't know them and then get uneasy. So I would always go outside and just chain smoke. And I always found that doing that 
one by one, everybody would come outside for fresh air or for cigarettes. And then I could talk to them and it was much easier rather than that crowd setting. And it mm. would give me a little bit, a little more length in my social time. Now, when I go to too many like that and I have no, don't have that escape to go get away for a few minutes, I start shutting down real fast. So yes, it's been <laughs> nice to be able to sit yeah. back and not have to worry about that for a while, like to a degree. Yeah. I mean, so I would say, I mean, rather, but that said, like too many Zooms in a week, you, you can duplicate that. You know, oh, if you've yeah. got like four or five Zooms in a row, you're like, I'm kind of done right now. I, I, I'm not feeling this. I'm, I need to have some time. And it's weird because I feel like boundaries have a different meaning, or at least they did earlier in the pandemic. It was, it felt harder to enforce your boundaries of just, it wasn't just, no, I can't go to that thing. People were like, well, you're home. What the hell do you have to do? Right. It's like, well, I have to not be giving right now. I need to be I need Taking. to be replenishing my batteries, not continually giving them. Yes. Um, yes. And so I, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I think the whole thing has been a really fascinating sociological piece of it. Just watching. I mean, on one hand, I think Zoom has made us so human and in such a fun way. Like you can be in a meeting with someone who's a colossal asshole and super intimidating, mm -hmm. but you know, they can be on a zoom and suddenly like their cat walks in front of the computer and puts their butt up on mm -hmm. the screen. And it's like, well, not so, not so macho now. Are you right. tough guy? You're, I just saw your cat's ass. Somebody's been humanized. So there, uh, there you go. Why don't you turn yeah. it down a little bit? And, um, so Todd Manley um, produces, he runs uh, an audio factory of an, an awesome audio production firm called Earsight. And he produces mm -hmm the Cranes Daily Gist podcast. So I talked to him every single day and we, you know, I, we go way back because we've worked together. We worked together at WGN Radio too. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about this and he was using the term desired normal, which I thought was oh, so good. Okay. I love that. Right. Desired because then it's normal. like, I don't, it doesn't, it, new normal implies that it's just been kind of thrust on you, which it has, but also it's yours to make. And that's why I think people are like, changing residences because they're like, you know, I want a home office. And and I think it made me realize how much time I spent scrambling around going from place to place, you know, the the hustle, the freelance life is kind of a hustle sometimes. Mm -hmm. And oh, I yeah. realized I was like, wait, I just got twice as much shit done. And I wasn't running for an L train or I was like half my day was going place to place to place. And you don't realize how much that is until you stop doing that. Like I, I realized yeah. that just trying to get to my day job, the bus, the back and forth and all that stuff. And the, the having to get up early so I can get my workout in at that time yeah. and instead of, cause I can't do it at lunch cause it's not near my gym, that kind of stuff. And so like having that extra time where it is like I wake up at seven and after an hour of coffee, I just walk in the other room. It's not like I have yeah. to, now I have to go. I'm, I'm the one time I'm looking forward to winter because I realize I don't <laughs> have to bundle up. I don't have to stand at that damn fucking bus stop with the wind blasting me in the face in the morning, you yeah. know, and that's like, Oh, that this winter might be nice for that reason. Yeah. Cause you're saving so much time. It's just, that's right. That's totally right. I mean, my only thing about winter is I I'm a summer person. I love oh, warm weather. Yeah, yeah. I like my shirts without sleeves on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a huge balcony. It's big. Mm. I have like, it's basically a dining room because I have some out, like a little summertime. cafe table. So I'm like, Oh shit, I'm losing my, I'm losing a whole room because my apartment's not that big, but yeah. I'm like, Oh, whole room gone. That's okay. I, it's fine. I'll make it work. Check the, see what the building rules are. Then you go get you one of those big heat lamps like they do at the restaurants. You put it out there. Mm. <laughs> you can get a few nights in as long as you don't set the place on fire. 
Don't think I haven't thought of that. I have thought of that. <laughs> I've definitely I think... thought of that. I've also thought about those like clear bubbles that run the river walk. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, if those are not expensive, which I'm sure they are, but I was like, I could, it could just sort of come out my back door right onto the patio and I could still have that little space because I'm on the top floor. No one's oh, over me. Perfect. Yeah. And a couple of space fine. heaters, you're set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, see, then you just. That headline I... writes itself, Kevin. <laughs> it really does. Here's, there is a thing in my family, like a lot of people in my family have died in really freak accidents. I'm sorry, what? Um, there's a thing, all women, and you either die in a freak accident or you live a really long time. In my lifetime, several of my relatives on both sides of the family have made it past 100. Oh, wow. So it's like, if you don't do something stupid, or some of them, like, not stupid, like some of them are just wrong place, wrong time. Uh-huh. But if you if you can get out of your youth unscathed, you, you probably will live to a hundred. Wow. So I think the cutoff, I think the cutoff is 40. So I'm good. I'm probably Oh yeah. You, so yeah. I was about to say, you, you must be doing all right. I mean, if you made it past 20, <laughs> I don't know the age group that was, but yeah, you make it that long. You're going to be like 115, just kicking it on your porch and a bubble. I want to, I want to get to 103. That's my oh, goal. Why, why, why is that? Of the people I have personally witnessed related to me uh-huh. that have made it past a hundred 103 was the point where they were still independent. Okay. Like 104 all downhill. Right. But done. 103, good. My grandmother so, made it to 102. Yeah. And see? Yeah. My great grandmother, she, um, I mean, she married, she was so young when she got married. She was a widow. Oh my gosh. I guess she was a widow in her like late forties, early fifties. Okay. And never remarried so she i mean decades and decades she lived more time as a widow than she did before you know she oh wow yeah yeah but she did the same she had a little apartment kind of off my grandparents house and she died in 2001 but she was i mean dementia kind of started to set in towards the Mm -hmm. end but health wise she was you know she kept her birds and did her sewing (laughs) and that was fantastic my grandmother had a heart attack one night uh, my parents live out in middle of nowhere, Tennessee and um, where she lived with them. And she had a heart attack one night and they were like, Oh, we've got to get her to Nashville. And uh, they're about an hour and a half South of Nashville. So they were going to helicopter to Nashville. <laughs> and my mom said, I was like, how's grandma doing? And she's like, she's doing fine. She, you know, gave me the rundown of everything that happened and I had a helicopter in. I was like, but she's doing good. She's like, well, she was flirting with the guys in the helicopter. So I think she's doing just fine. So here's this woman is, I think at that time she was 101, just turned 101, I think. And she's flying, trying to save her life. And she's all like, so what are you doing later? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> she, at that age, it's like, who gives a shit anymore? You might as well just say and do what you want. I mean, that's oh, the yeah. only reason why I want to I get think, that old, I think. I think. So I can just do whatever the, <laughs> so when I'll start smoking again, whatever. I'll try heroin at 90. It's like, why not? Let's do this. Yeah. Why not? Fuck yeah. it. I'm, I'm very old. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Cause I feel like I already have a little of that unfiltered in me now. Mm-hmm. So if this is, if this is the unfiltered at 42, I'm really excited for what that unfiltered sounds like at 103. Well, I got to say that. I mean, the times that I've got to spend with you, like you definitely are a type person who just seems to be the type of person that just goes after you're like, fuck it. I don't care. You're in my way. Get out of my way. I'm getting to what I want to do because just seeing all, like I just read your web, just reading your website. It's like, this reads, this is, looks like decades of work. And you're just like, no, I did this in like two weeks. It seems like, <laughs> it's like you've done everything. Like you, you, you still have the radio show at WGN, correct? 
Well, um, it's gone through some changes there. Yeah. So okay. um, I don't have the regular show anymore, but I'm a fill-in host. Okay. And I do a quick hit every day on the business lunch. I kind of call in and say, here are the business stories that you need to watch today. And here's why. I don't have a regular show, but you know, I also did not have a Saturday off, a Saturday night off in like seven years. So oh, that's right. You Your know. show was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh, how was that transition? I bet that was nice to just be like, oh, I don't have to be anywhere. Have to go. Well, and actually tra- it, the transition, the transition took care of itself because I used to be on really late. I used to be on 11 to two mm-hmm. and that was super late. And at the time you may recall, I was, I, I lived nearby WGN. And so I would live tweet my walk home and call it the Goose Gauntlet. That's and right. Had, the Goose Gauntlet was my favorite. I forgot about that. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. It was a good time. I kind of miss it. Like that was a fun time because I would be leaving work. So obviously I was sober at two in the morning. Mm-hmm right as the bars, I would walk down Hubbard street and all these bars would be getting out. And it was just ridiculous. It was so <laughs> ridiculous. And I, one night just tweeted something I overheard and put my phone back in my pocket. And then, you know, I had something like 200 likes on it in like an hour. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm just going to tweet and see what happens. And it was, it was a thing that if my show was preempted by sports or something, mm-hmm. people were like, Hey, where's the, well, can you still do the gauntlet? Like people did not give a crap about the radio show. They were just like, they just wanted to, Oh, the show's over. It's time for the gauntlet. And it was very fun. And I saw lots of people doing lots of stupid shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that was <laughs> one once thing in a while, that I love to punch up that hashtag. And they alcohol just, is a hell of a drug. It really, really is. It's phenomenal when you're in the moment, but for watching it from the outside, it's, Pretty hilarious. fucking gross and hilarious. Well, what, what was very funny is I ended up with several British followers at the time because oh, really? if you think about it, like you're live tweeting something at two in the morning, like the Brits are up. Oh yeah. Makes sense. And it started because there was a guy that lived in Chicago that we followed each other on Twitter for a long time because one time I was like super pissed off about, well, I'll get to this, but I was watching <laughs> golf and I was super pissed off about something that Ricky Fowler did uh-huh. and I was tweeting about it. And this guy was like, this is weird. I didn't think you followed golf. And I explained like why I know about golf. And so we became friends on Twitter and then he moved to the UK and he got a job in London and moved there, but it was like through him. And he was like retweeting some of the Guth gauntlet stuff. And I ended up with all these British followers. Oh, that's like- amazing. Once in a while, international. Like, hey, do you still do you still, you know, tweet about your neighborhood? I'm like, well, I have a different neighborhood now, but it's still, you know, plenty nuts. I just oh, sure. don't like people now. So, yeah, they're hard to be around sometimes. It's uh, yeah, especially recently. We just found out uh, how ignorant people can be. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's makes, the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's you I was telling that I think I was talking to my wife the other night about it. It was just that. I always knew people were stupid. I just didn't realize how dumb and ignorant they were until recently. And I was like, oh, yes, I didn't realize how many there were of you. I mean, general baseline, yes, of course. But like yeah. deep down, you just, yeah, yeah just, that's the your, thing. Your like, numbers I, I are think, huge. Yeah. I think the the heartbreaking thing about 2020 is that we got to see just how selfish and shitty people are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, they're as bad as I ever feared. And, you know, I think, I think if so, if so many things were, I, I can't imagine a situation in, in, in which we talk about things in terms of this thing is good for everybody. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, I was like, we were exchanging some texts about, about Halloween and she was, you know, sad for her kids that they couldn't go trick or treating this right. year. And it meant a lot to them. And she said, but, you know, I told them that 
she was calling it the big cold that's going around. She said, you know, the, the big cold means that we all have to give up things that are important to us to protect people. And her kids understood that so well that they started making lists of things to give up, thinking oh, if wow. I give up enough stuff, it'll help people not be sick. The big cold will go away. Oh, and that's she was crazy. Like, well, there's certain things that matter for us to give up and, and going out on Halloween is one of them. But putting all your toys in the attic doesn't really count, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're sweet, you know. <laughs> but the fact and that I they're like, trying more than yeah, most. And I was like, see, I think little children inherently understand, you know, to, to take care of each other and to be sweet. So, yeah, that's I mean, I think that part has been hard. I think earlier on in the process, I was so mad at the level of misinformation because I, mm -hmm. I kind of had a little bit of a professional crisis because I was I've always been of the opinion that if you give people good information, they will do the right thing. And you think people have we have more access to more information than ever. And people that I thought that I respected intellectually were posting some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my oh, life God. on Facebook and on Twitter. Hurts my soul. Hurts my soul. And it was like so infuriating. I have been fascinated with digging up everything I can about the pandemic a hundred years ago because I've oh, been yeah. very interested to see what have we learned. And the answer is nothing. Nothing. So mask wearing was also um, very problematic at the time. Mm -hmm. It was also inaccurately conflated with masculinity and a very specific campaign was launched to encourage men to not feel threatened by a mask. Are you kidding me? Like, is your peen so small that you are going to be threatened by having a piece of fabric on your face? Are you we're, serious? We're but very it was fragile. exactly the same. Some of the rhetoric was exactly the same of what really? you're saying now. And I was like, we have learned nothing. Well, no. nothing. Let's talk about something happy for a little bit. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. We're done with COVID now. Uh, yeah, let's, let's fuck go. COVID. Let's talk, let's, th let's talk about you, Amy Guth. That's why we're here, so okay. people can get to know you and what you do, because you do a whole bunch of stuff. What, do you, do what, stuff. what, what great project are you working on right now? Because I know you're always working. You're working from home. Mm -hmm. You have your own production company still, yes? Strange Ways? Or mm -hmm. what are you doing as a, as a producer filmmaker with them right now? Are you, you, you doing anything coming um, up? So I just, um, not necessarily through Strange Ways, but I just did... I'm sorry to go back to COVID for a minute, but I have to. <laughs> COVID allowed the- Interview's over. Sorry. Shut it down. Sorry. Get, yeah. get out of here, Guth. You're fired. Um, COVID allowed for a really interesting um, Jewish holiday experience this year because we could not gather in synagogues. So, oh, that's right. You were telling me a little bit about this. How'd it go? Yeah. So, um, so I produced um, the high holidays for, for my synagogue, which was totally fun. It was a lot. It was a lot because nobody, it's not like you can just say, okay, go get up there and do the high holidays. And I'll just, you know, we're just going to film it. You mm -hmm. can't do that because we had immune compromised people in the, I'm going to say in the cast, right. Of clergy. Uh -huh. um, there's also a church that my synagogue has a, like a trade agreement sort of thing with. So we get a musical director and four singers every year for the high holidays Oh wow! Okay. from this church. And they're, they're amazing. And they're professional singers that go to this church and the music director is amazing. So he has for 18 years come to the synagogue and, and played music and all this. So but we could not have the four singers in the room together. And so they're singing harmony. So it was a matter of filming everybody individually and then editing it all together. Oh, that's and great. It ended up being a lot. It was one of the biggest projects I've ever done uh -huh. because it was 
Rosh Hashanah um, Eve, Rosh Hashanah Day, family Rosh Hashanah service, um, Yom Kippur Eve called Kol Nidre, Yom Kippur Day, parts one and two, because it's a long day, okay. and the family service. It was a lot, oh, but wow. some cool things happen. You know, I said at the beginning, um, I want, I, I still want to make it meaningful. I don't want to just feel like it's a camcorder at the back of the sanctuary. I want right. it to be cool. And I think that came through. Um, I mean, I think it ended up being meaningful and cinematic. I mean, there were moments that gave me chills when I, when it was over and I sat down and actually watched it. And so mm -hmm. we did it like a, um, we did it as a live premiere on YouTube so that we could have the comment section open in real time. So it was kind of super fun because it premiered and then, and it was all pre-taped mm -hmm. and like put it on YouTube and set the premiere time. And then when it went live, this comment section pops up and the whole congregation is in there like typing and saying hi to each other and commenting on stuff. And oh, it was great. really positive. Like when were you, when was the last time you were in a comment section that was positive? Never. I, I can't, <laughs> not, not a one, not a right. one. They're so toxic, but this was so fun. And like the rabbi was in there and the cantor was in there and saying, oh, that, that turned out so nice. And this was so great. This congregation, um, it's a manual congregation in Edgewater. It's an interesting place. The, the, um, there's the rabbi, then there's the rabbi emeritus who used to be the senior rabbi. And then mm -hmm. what I told the rabbi was, you, you kind of have the ability to do something different in, in terms of your sermon this year. Yeah. You don't have to just stand there and talk. So we ended up doing for the Rosh Hashanah podcast, uh, Rosh Hashanah sermon, we did a podcast. Uh, oh, really? And so I got like, we got a shot of him standing in the sanctuary saying, you know, this is the thing. And now let's go to a podcast. And so what we were able to do is we, he found some cassette tape archival audio of the, the, like the immediate rabbi emeritus, Rabbi Zedek, he's still living and he is amazing. He is one of my favorite people in the world. But the guy before him, Rabbi Shalman, died in 2017 at 100 years old. Oh, wow. And then Rabbi Levy was before him. Okay. And so we had tapes of Rabbi Levy and Rabbi Shalman making these amazing points. And Rabbi Shalman, like you should Google the guy, Herman Shalman, he had okay. an amazing life. Rabbi Felix Levy also did. Like they're both rock star. Like they're the Mick Jaggers of the rabbi world. They're like very <laughs> okay. amazing. No offense to rabbis everywhere, but like we've all heard a rabbi just standing up there talking and they're like, okay, right. that's a good point. Great. Thanks. But to have the four of them, it felt like kind of transcendent and it was totally cool. So I'm that, sure that was, how was the, what was the feedback from everyone? I'm sure they were just gaga over people the loved whole it. Yeah. Yeah. People loved it. And Burning Man was also virtual this year. And oh, really? was the it? folks at Burning Man yeah, the folks at Burning Man built the coolest thing and they used AI. They were going to do this anyway and just okay. accelerated the timeline because of COVID. They built a virtual Burning Man. So you enter the multiverse. Okay. And when you go in, you look around as if you're in the desert looking at all the stuff. So during the process of like, basically all summer was devoted to like getting the high holidays ready. So that was like the summer project. Um, but during that process, at some point, this opportunity came up to produce a, a music video for virtual Burning Man. Oh, that's and great. I'm like, great. But all the shit is at the synagogue. And so <laughs> we ended up making this video. Um, there is a, a DJ that I know, DJ Cashera, who if you ever throw a party, make sure she is the DJ. She okay. is so fun. 
And, and so we kind of had this idea, like the theme was Afrofuturism. And so we had this, I, I said, like, here's the theme. Can you take us on some kind of musical history journey with that? So she put together a, a track and with a bunch of songs in it. We had never heard it when she showed up. The set became the, this synagogue is on the back. It's like sitting on Lake Michigan. It's right uh-huh. there on Sheridan. Oh, yeah. So we just moved the shit to the parking lot behind it uh-huh. and shot like we rented instruments and had some records that we broke on the ground and made this whole grid out of records and made a music video. We started at four in the morning so that we could get the sunrise coming up over Lake Michigan. And so like Yom Kippur ends and I go, okay, we just made a ton of stuff, but somewhere in there also, we made a music video for Burning Man and made it work and like turned it around in an unbelievably short amount of time. But, um, I was really, yeah, very proud to produce both of those things. And I was really pleased with how they, how they turned out. When you're working on projects like that, like how hands-on are you? Cause I mean, I know you direct and you produce, but I mean, are you one to sit down and, and do a lot of the editing yourself? Cause you want it a certain way, or do you have like subcontract teams that you work with through your company or like, I mean, like what's your process like? Um, in the, in this case, it was, um, it was all pretty much DIY, mm-hmm. um, so Potenza Productions is, is the two guys that I named. And then like pretty much the three of us did all of it. That's so. amazing. God, you were busy. <laughs> yeah. Busy, in busy. hindsight, we needed about 30 more people. Right. Because <laughs> I mean, that's on a production like that. I mean, that usually has 50 people, all hands on deck kind of situation. But it's those, Absolutely. I think I love those times when it's like, no, it was just the four of us. We did it all. And it just kind of seems yeah. to make the outcome a little bit, like a little bit more because you, you did it all on your own, real fast, real yeah. down and dirty. Yeah. Totally. I love down and dirty totally. projects and like that. I do too. And, and um, I, I think there's a lot of, I, if, I feel like capitalism makes us say, how does it scale? How does it grow? How can we make it bigger? And like, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't fucking need to do that. Sometimes no. a small group of people that you love to work with is magic. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of consulting. I work with a lot of people around like public voice and, and, um, I, I, even public voice is a little murky, but really what I do is I like to help people get really good at the message that they're putting out. Cause mm-hmm. it's not just what you say, it's how you say it and, right. and, and help them do the shit out of the thing they're doing. That's my favorite thing to help people do. So that's kind of my, my, co- my not coaching, my non-coaching thing that mm-hmm. I do. And I have some clients I work with, but it's the same kind of thing. Like when you first take on a freelance project, you're like, okay, that sounds good. And then you learn about like uh, scope creep and you're like okay that got out of hand now I know what control to put on at the beginning so that it won't get out of hand and then each time you work with a client you're like okay now I know this new thing it's that but also I think when you're dealing with an artistic project you're not only learning okay here's how I would pitch this project next time or here's Mm -hmm. how I would lay it out or here's how what I do differently but also I think think you grow as an artist because you've just gotten a little faster at something or better at something or like Mm -hmm. I can edit that better faster or I would have done this a different way or you know um, I mean one of the best things I think I did with the high holidays project was I was like okay there's a lot of Hebrew and two of the three of us don't (laughs) speak Hebrew right I'm I was like I'm the token Jew of this project here so I need to make sure that like people I brought in can be successful without that knowledge. 
So I created like a numerical system and it ended up being the best thing I've ever, oh, wow. ever created because it, it allowed us to go, Hey, did you get RH 12? Yes. Next I'm going to do YK 14. Great done. And it was oh. like, well, that's real smart. And we were able to do everything over Google docs and through Hightail because otherwise it would have been like, um, a Venom volcano. And then also there's a Lenu, but then don't forget this one that like there's <laughs> right. five things that start with an A and it would have been like the, the, which one, the Avinu volcano. Do you mean a Lenu? No, a Venom volcano. Yeah. That just would have been out of control for people the who Wi-Fi. don't speak. That's Hebrew. all we need. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, perfect. That's perfect. What kind of products do right. you like to work on? Like when you're looking for something like that, like do you, are you, cause you've done some documentary work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And is that kind of where you're, where you lean towards on your production side or, or is it just kind of your open bag and that's just, kind of what's been going on yeah. for you. No, I, I think I, I, I lean to towards reality because it's, it's enough. We don't need to make shit up. Mm. <laughs> it's plenty. Um, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I worked on um, DIN, which is like an ongoing project about, mm. about online behavior and abuse. Um, and then also worked with um, Erica Valenciana, who is a, an amazing documentary filmmaker, um, I love to collaborate with her because we, I think, fill in each other's gaps really well. Mm -hmm. And she's just a badass. But she made a film called La Mitad del Mundo, which is about uh, sex trafficking. And, um, you know, that that project went through so many, so many iterations. That's the thing. Like documentary takes a long time because sometimes it's a moving target. And I ran into that in a big way with Din. Um, And I say it's ongoing because a big driver of that project is Trump and Trump's tweets, right? Like, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in her case, you know, m- the, the bulk of well, all the filming really, except for maybe two interviews was done in South America and it's in Spanish. And that was really challenging because, um, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so, um, you know, but it's, it's subtitled and it's a universal message and it's, it's young women who have been rescued from sex trafficking and they're all very young. So it presented some interesting creative challenges because you cannot, you can't really show someone's face ethically, they're children and they're, they've been, been, they have survived horrific things. Mm -hmm. And so it created some challenges of even like how to frame the shot of, you know, I mean, one of the girls is, I think, 16. And so it's like, well, what's what you see is like, she's wearing a hat, and then there's a shadow on her and you see her mouth and her chin. And then Mm -hmm. another girl, you just kind of see one of her eyes, and the rest of her face is off screen. And it's a very tight close up shot. So I think every project kind of has its own, you know, its own challenges and its own layers. But yeah, I would say nonfiction is probably my my jam. That said, uh-huh. I love horror movies so much. I try to watch 30 horror movies every October. Okay. And Oh, you do the thing. Yeah. So what, what's the, been the most recent yeah. you've been watching? Well, last night it was, um, it was the classic Halloween. That's possibly one of my favorites. Really? Okay. Why is that? What about that movie is, makes good, it? Like, it's just so good because, because Jamie Lee Curtis is not fucking with you, you know? <laughs> no, she's so good at that. She like... There, and there are a couple of times where I'm like, don't sit down. I know you're practicing self-care right now, Angel Bear, but I need you to get up because he's going to sit up and you need to, I've watched this movie so many times. And yep. every time I'm like, don't put the fucking knitting needle down. You need to stab him again, <laughs> stab him again. Now get the fuck out of there. Yes. And I like yell at the screen when I'm doing that, but I love horror. And I think that I like to think there's a horror movie in me somewhere. Okay. I, um, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know what, because I want to write it and like make the whole, you know, the whole thing. But I don't know. One day, I'm, that's the thing with me. But one thing I have learned is like, and I've learned this the hard way is announce less and do more. Just mm -hmm. do it and then tell people about it later. Because yes. projects change. Things take, sometimes like life happens. Sometimes weird shit happens. And it's, I just think it's, and also there's like a weird psychological creative pressure of like the idea of getting an advance for a fiction book and then sit down and write it. That's amazing to me. I don't know how you can do that. So a lesson that I feel like I have learned the hard way many times is just do it and just start working on it. And then one day pop up with it, you know, like yeah. one day I'll just go, Hey dudes, I made a horror movie. <laughs> hey, check it out. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I'm going to call you because worried. I need you to be in it. That's oh me? Yeah. Oh I yeah. Definitely need you. Oh, to be please call it. me. I'll, I'll be in your horror movie. I'll help you write that horror movie. Right. Let's do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm all for that. It'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want I want to like I think I would do a little bit of the John Carpenter thing and like always put myself as like a weird cameo. Oh, you should. Absolutely. I love that. I think it's I mean, why not? I mean, it's it's again, it's like it's my baby, so I can do what I want and I want to I want to be this weird part. That's it. You yeah. Know? I just want to say some like really ridiculous line and I want to be like I want to be like some redneck waitress at a diner and be like fuck you looking at and that's yes. it that's yes. like i don't need to do anything that drives the plot forward i just need to be like awful and memorable <laughs> you mentioned uh that you of course you used to just talk about sketch writing and things like that have you been working on any writing recently i mean have you had time for that as well with all your projects working or do you, do you still Not dabble really. i mean one thing i still dabble one thing that i've really been enjoying is that i um I've been playing with Substack and I have a Substack. It is gooth.substack.com. Mm -hmm. And I, it is called writing prompts for weird times. And it is a tiny, because who the fuck has time to, to read a long, complicated email, right. zero people. So it is tiny. I think the longest one I've ever written is two paragraphs. It's really just tiny. Sometimes it's one sentence, tiny little dispatches to their either writing, like a writing prompt or a, uh, an idea about using your public voice of like okay. a media strategy or something like that. And I have a daily dispatch that I, that I send out. And um, if, if you sign up for the free one, you get most of it. Like I'm not under the illusion that I'm going to be a millionaire by doing that. Right. There's a, like a free and a paid, right. But you get a little extra shit. Like the real meaty stuff goes to the, goes to the paid folks, gotcha. but but the free subscribers, they still get a lot. Like they get weekend writing prompts that just say prompt one sentence. Um, and it's mostly for nonfiction. I don't, I don't, I don't think any of it's for fiction writers, but okay. if a fiction writer reads it and gets something out of it, please tell me. Um, so I do that. And that's daily. I usually like knock out a couple at a time and I love them. I love the shit out of yeah. those little blurbs. Just They're quick, so fun. fast, dirty, like, yeah, the, that, that kind of writing yeah. I always enjoy because it's just like, you don't have to sit down. You have to kill yourself. It's like, blah, 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 done. And I'm going to go on with my day. And yeah. I've, I've, I've exercised my mind artistically and then we move on. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the, the thing I'm, I'm doing for me that I like right now. But that said, um, I finally recovered my website. I don't know. People that follow me on Twitter might know, although I didn't make a big deal about it on purpose that, mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, my website got um, very purposefully uh, destroyed by a coordinated effort. And I had been writing 
I have been blogging for 12 years. Wait, somebody hacked you on purpose? Yeah. Destroyed yeah. your website. And it was a coordinated thousands of thousands of in a 10 minute span. Mm -hmm. So um, I was uh, blogging was such a big part of my life that I think doing this little thing on Substack, this little sentence thing has made me remember that, oh yeah, you were an early blogger. You, this was a big part of your life. This was mm -hmm. really important to you. And you, cata you, you cata cataloged a lot of shit that happened to you in this medium. And this medium was good to you. And you made some very real and meaningful friendships as a result of that website. And so I wrote a post called something like, fuck you, I'm back now, what? Or something like that, <laughs> that I put on my website. <laughs> That's a Basically great explaining, hey, I've been gone. Yeah, like I, I've been gone and I'm back and here's why. There was a kind of explaining about this hack and and then I didn't touch it again for a little bit. And, and, and I realized like, I actually have some shit to work out about this. And I was embarrassed by how, how much that traumatized me. Cause I like to think I'm, a pretty resilient person that can be like, I'm going to keep going, but that really fucking laid me out. And, well, and that's, I mean, that's multiple people doing something that's very, I mean, destroying yeah. something that's very personal to you. That's against you. It's not like they just jumped in and was like, I'm going to do this for funsies. It's like, no, they have something with you. So I can completely understand why yeah. you would feel yeah. that way. Cause that I'm, I'm pissed and hurt and I'm just hearing about it. I have nothing to do with it. Right. Um, right. So Getting back to Substack was, um, I think, a, like a weirdly healing thing of like, oh, yeah, I've got some shit to say. <laughs> and, and people do give a crap. And it won't, I, the biggest thing was, and saying it won't get me hurt. Like when I worked with the op-ed project, there was mm -hmm. this, this thing we always said was saying things of consequence there may be consequences, but the alternative is to be inconsequential. And I've always really pushed that, but all the time acknowledging sometimes not saying anything is the, is the strategy that you want. If it's about saving your life, it's about, you know, if you're being threatened, sometimes not responding is the right strategy, but know that it's a choice, not the, not a have to. Right. And so I felt like I wasn't even living my own advice then. And I wasn't, um, you know, like here I am like working with people about public voice and my own, quite literally got silenced. And it was a lot. It was a lot. And um, so Substack has been like very healing to get back to that and you know, to get back to blogging. And it makes me go, you know what? It, I don't give a fuck. It does matter. So the new website is intentionally very simple because I had put all these beautiful design elements in the one that got destroyed. Mm -hmm. So I, I say in that comeback post, something like, this new website is really simple and stripped down because fuck you, I'll probably have to build it again, but rec but recognize that I will build the fucker again. <laughs> so I was like, wondering what that had. I, I read that. I was like, man, she's coming out the fucking gate on her website, but I see the, <laughs> I can understand why now. Yeah. Cause Jesus Christ, that's, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, the people I just, it, it drives me insane because just because someone doesn't agree with something that you talk about or something that you believe in, they have to come and attack you like that, especially I'm going to get on my high horse right now with, with this yeah. fucking, with the internet and, and the cowardness that comes along with that. I mean, that's just, just the, the worst of humanity it, it, it being shown. And it just makes yeah. my head explode that people can be that nasty and then still not even have the balls to be like, I did it. Look at my face. Fuck you. They got to yeah. hide back somewhere in their basement and just, you know, chuckle and go make a, a frozen pizza and watch some TV, you know? 
just ugh. yeah and i mean i think that's the worst part is i won't ever get i i don't know and i i don't even i mean it could be anyone and that's the thing i don't know who did that uh well amy i'm gonna uh, we're gonna move into uh, a section that i've been trying on my all my episodes now um it's a little okay. thing at the end we like to call same three questions and these are three okay. questions that i will ask all of my guests just because okay. I want to hear what you have to say about these. So uh, welcome to Same Three Questions. One day I'll afford a theme song for this session. Um, so first question, if you could have one superpower, which would it be and why? Mm. It's always a tough one. I think it would be the ability to speak any language because I would love to connect with human beings around the world and talk to people about what matters to them and what they fear and what they hope and what they want. I would love to talk to people about that in every language I could. That's a great one. Would it be the fact that you would be able to understand and speak all languages or would you have a thing where you were always speaking English and they could understand you and they speak their language, but you hear them in English? No, what, I would want to be able to speak all the languages. Speak the languages, yes. Yeah. I, I enjoy different languages because I know this sounds dumb, but me and my friends used to get dumb and drunk when we were in college and we're a bunch of dumb actors. And we just like to make noises at each other for whatever reason, just stupid sounds, just when we get bored and whatever. And I realized one day that, you know, language and words are just sounds that we gave definition to. Um, and so some yes. languages just have the best sounds that, you know, uh, I, like I said earlier, we met when I was doing Klingon Christmas Carol and, and my wife was always like, how do you like Klingon, but you hate Shakespeare? I'm like, ah, because it's just a bunch <laughs> of fun sounds. And I like making those sounds with my mouth. So yes, actually having the language there, I think that would be the fun part. That's a great one. I, that's I, most people are like, I like to fly. And you uh, are, are, are much better than most people. Uh, second question. Uh, like if you that. died and were reincarnated as a sandwich, which sandwich would that be? Not your favorite oh, sure. sandwich, but like it, what, 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 what sandwich would Amy Guth be? Oh man. Well, so I'm going to go all heritage on this. So it's got to be okay. something like Jewish deli all plus right. like French bistro. Cause mm. we're my, the Guths are from Alsace. Okay. Um, so I don't know, some weird shit like a, you know, I don't know, like what's a pastrami on rye plus a, brie and baguette <laughs> something like that heaven i think it's called heaven i think i think disgusting that's disgusting altogether that's a, that's a great afternoon <laughs> we'll just split them half put them together it'll be fine you know yeah, enough it'll I'm, be good enough cocktails everything tastes great uh and uh final question uh hey me uh blue or green green Sorry, the answer is blue, but thank you for playing. Um, Actually, like my jam is kind of that color aqua, so I'm going to say both. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect blend. Yeah, aqua is a great jam. It's uh, very fun, very, very summer. It's a very summer tone. Um, thank you so much for coming and sitting with me. Uh, I, like I said, I've met you so many years ago, and you just... Every time I see something that you're working on is just, I'm always amazed because it's always something new and it's always something where I've just known that you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And I love that attitude. And you always, you. not only do you say, fuck it, I'm going to do this, but you fuck it, you do it and you make it really great. Uh, and you do some really tremendous work. And I, I, I just I admire the hell out of you. Um, before Thank you. We, I appreciate that. 
before we go, where can people find you? Like uh, what are social medias and all that kind of stuff? And what's your website? So people can come see that one, the new one. Yeah. So amyguth.com go there, but please try not to be an asshole and hack it. That would be great. Yeah. Um, the Substack that I mentioned is guth.substack.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Amy Guth, G-U-T-H. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I mean, I exist on Facebook, but it's kind of like this hate spewing, terrible place I don't go to now. So right. I like Instagram. I like, I'm obsessed with plants and food. And I put those on Instagram quite a bit. Um, but I say yeah, Instagram and Twitter are the places to find me usually, but, um, you know, give that, uh, give that Substack a shout. And eventually there's going to be some blog posts up on amyguth.com right now. It's just like my bio and yeah. that's about it. And I recommend for anybody to go back, uh, on Twitter and, uh, look up the hashtag, uh, goof gauntlet. And even though it's not running right now, yep. uh, going back and reading is still <laughs> tremendously fun. I, yeah, there's some, there's time. some, I did start like a greatest hits list and I, I pulled some of the tweets just so they would be archived. I, I should put that out in the world somewhere. Cause it's a, it's a good time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great, that's a great website, a coffee table book. That's great. That's a great tab on your website. So people can like, it's like an online coffee table book. You just put down the goose gauntlet. Hmm. I don't hate that idea. I think yeah, I'll yeah. do that. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you, Amy, so much. I appreciate you coming and talking. Well, not coming to talk to me because you're at your house and I'm at my house. Thanks for logging on to talk to me. And uh, and uh, I hope everything, the, I hope the rest of your pandemic goes great. Have a bitchin' pandemic. Nope. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I sure do love sitting down bullshitting with Amy Guth. I hope you had a great time too. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. I'm going to go to bed because I'm fucking exhausted. But before I go, I want to say a big thank you to my friend Jason Moody for that kick-ass theme song. God, I fall in love with it every time. Well, that does it for this episode. Please join us next time when we sit down with a new guest and ask them that burning question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.